It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Michael Bainter and Jared Justice are on the other side of the glass as we get ready for horse hockey this weekend. The Henderson Silver Knights Two home games against the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, and for the Silver Knights, they are wrapping up the home portion. Well, I shouldn't say the home portion of their, their schedule. They're wrapping up the regular season schedule over the next uh, nine days. They'll play two this weekend against San Jose and then uh, a full week off uh, of game action before they finish things with the regular season finale on April the 30th against the Ontario Reign, and then it'll be time for the Calder Cup playoffs. So we are really starting to, to rev up for the, uh, the not even the home stretch. What's, what's interesting is that the next three games have the potential to feel, uh, especially when you consider the, the VGK element of uh, the HSK fan base, which you would figure the crossover is near 100%. Uh, so closely watching the playoff race for the VGK side, uh, which the Golden Knights helped themselves out with a massive overtime point against the Washington Capitals last night on the overtime winner by Shea Theodore. Every game, every element is so crucial on the VGK side. The next three games for the Silver Knights, statistically, standings-wise, uh, are, are relatively meaningless. The, the Silver Knights are locked into that sixth spot, in the Pacific Division standing, there's still a, a toss-up of a couple of scenarios uh, of what the first-round opponent for the Silver Knights will be. Uh, but these next three games, win, lose, or draw, there's really not a whole lot of implication for the Silver Knights on, on uh, what their first-round status will be. That doesn't make them meaningless in terms of on ice performance because the Silver Knights are playing some of their best hockey of the season right now just at the right time, and you want to carry that over into the postseason. Uh, Silver Knights now 5-0-1 in their last six. They are one game shy of matching their longest point streak of the season. They had a seven-game point streak that ended uh, in the first week of January. And really since then, uh, they never really found their footing again up until this point. But uh, Silver Knights with uh, wins over San Diego and Stockton over the last week, we will uh, discuss how they're doing it and uh, what the positive uh, trends are heading into playoff time that the Silver Knights will want to maintain. In our next segment, we're going to talk to assistant coach Jamie Heward and get a little perspective on why the team is rolling so well right now. Is it the perfect time to be playing the way that they are uh, and how they can carry it forward? Uh, and, and, of course, we'll have lots of discussion throughout the uh, episode about playoff outcomes and playoff projections as well. So a busy afternoon as we start gearing up for playoff time. I'll, I'll tell you again, for the this is just such a fun time of year. Uh, sometimes you lose sleep over it too. It, it's not always fun when you're in uh, emotional agony watching playoff races and uh, looking at the uh, different tiebreakers and magic numbers and tragic numbers and, and, and the like. It, it's uh, It can be stressful from a sports fan's perspective. Uh, but but also a lot of fun and, and uh, keeps you really engaged as well. I'll tell you, as a newcomer still, relative newcomer to the, the VGK 
fan landscape. This is just my, my second season here, and, of course, I predominantly am, am working with the uh, AHL side of things. But if you're a VGK fan, try to some degree, I don't know if the right word to say is enjoy this, but I'm going to use that for lack of a better term because it's still such a young franchise. This being only the fifth uh, season in, in VGK history. Yes, everybody wishes that the VGK were first in the division and uh, you know had their feet up just counting down to, to playoff time. Instead, uh, the Golden Knights are in a very difficult circumstance, battling every single day for their playoff lives. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say enjoy it from the standpoint of like, oh, come on, aren't you having a good time? Because that would be, frankly, it's a little insensitive because right now, day in, day out, uh, there are VGK fans who are hoping and then praying every prayer they've ever heard to every god they've ever heard of, probably, to make sure that the, the Golden Knights can, can find a way to, to thread the needle and get into postseason play. But... For this fan base, this is a new experience, is it not? This uncertainty, this desperation just to get into postseason play, this this is a little bit of a new experience. And I say enjoy it, and that's not the that's not the best word. Again, you're probably rolling your eyes at your radio right now. Maybe the better word would be appreciate it. Because although it's going to come with significant pain, if it doesn't work out, and that's just in the life of a sports fan, you, you're, you're a fan of other teams, you know there are years where you don't get in. It, it might mathematically come to that. I say this to you as a fan of the New York Jets, by the way. That's, that's where I'm coming from right now. I've not had much uh, to smile about for Jets football in the last 10 years. But the reason I say this is I can remember from my youth a couple of instances of Okay, in order to get in on Sunday, we need this team to lose, this team to lose, this team to lose by 30, uh, and we need to beat the Patriots. Uh, and it just happened to work out. And the reason I bring that up is you remember those. You know, sometimes uh, when you think of a uh, – I, I use this sometimes, too, when a team is down 4 nothing or something. Like, well, you can't have the dramatic comeback if you don't fall behind first. It's not, of course, guaranteed that things are going to work out the way that Vegas needs. They're going to need some help as they, again, look to thread that needle. But it does bear the kind of moments like we saw last night. A huge overtime goal for Shea Theodore. One of the biggest periods the VGK have had all season to overcome a one-goal deficit to get it to overtime. Logan Thompson coming in in relief. And, of course, Silver Knights fans are, are so well aware of what Logan Thompson is capable of on a game-in, game-out basis. But he shut the door last night to give them a chance to get to overtime. And that's a dramatic step-up performance. All that is to, to say that in order for special things to happen, things that you didn't think were possible, sometimes the circumstances have to be against you first. So whatever may happen over the next week, you know, it remains to be seen. But at least the stage has been set for some truly special performances. There's a potential there, uh, a matchup between the uh, the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I appreciate this for what it is. It may not turn out the way that everybody wants in the end, but at the very least it, it sets the stage for drama. Uh, and for uh, for the fan base of the VGK, it's uh, it's a chance to, to try a new flavor, whether you wanted it or not. It's here, so uh, you know appreciate the uh, the the battle, the race, the struggle for what it is, and hope that the Golden Knights uh, get the the help they need and the results that they can provide uh, to get them over the finish line and into the postseason. I'll tell you what else. This is for me really a good example of why. 
you know, every now and then someone will ask you, hey, if you were commissioner for a day, what would you do? I think the if I could do one thing as commissioner of the National Hockey League, what I would do, not everyone has to agree with me, I would go back to the old one through eight seating, Western Conference and Eastern Conference. And what Golden Knights fans are experiencing right now is exactly why. For those of you who don't remember or are unfamiliar, what it used to be was you would have in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, the top three seeds in each would be the division winners, winner of the Atlantic, winner of the, uh, well, it used to be the Atlantic, uh, the Northeast and the Southeast and the, in the East, and then you had Central Pacific and then Northwest in the, in the Western Conference. So the top three seeds would be the winner of each division in uh, order of points earned. And then after that, you would just go straight four through eight, regardless of division, and that's how you would stack up the, the, the conferences, not, not unlike what the NBA does now. And when you had it that way, you cared what everyone in the conference was doing. It didn't matter if they were in your division. You had to have the mentality that a team vying for the wild card right now has. And if you're a Golden Knights fan, you could probably tell me pretty honestly uh, outside of last year, of course, the, the COVID divisions were a little bit wonky. But just in general, have you ever really cared what the St. Louis Blues were doing? Have you ever really cared why, why you just throw out random names? Let me, let me talk about the ones we're, we're following right now. Have you ever had to really care what the Dallas Stars were up to, what the Nashville Predators were up to? Not really. It kind of forced you to really only care about your own division. And the idea was that, well, that'll cause rivalries. Rivalries aren't caused by regular season back and forth, except for a couple of, you know, exceptions of uh, where there's some real uh, animosity between the two. If we're talking about, you know, the Rangers and Islanders seeing each other over and over again, or, of course, Edmonton and Calgary for decades. But I don't know that that really creates the rivalries the way they wanted. Otherwise, Boston and Florida would hate each other by now, and I don't know that they really do. But when you have that one through eight setup that we used to see, man, did that create for great fan attention. You cared. If you were in that battle, if you were in ninth and tenth, you cared about what the sixth, seventh, and eighth place teams were doing, whether they were in your division or not. You cared about what St. Louis was doing and what uh, Winnipeg was doing and what the Coyotes were doing because it impacted you directly. And I think if, if from a VGK perspective, again, as, as much as it's not the most fun to be in this situation, if you're in the wild card race, combined with, of course, the VGK trying to chase down the LA Kings too, and that might be the, the team they have the best chance of tracking down. But boy, does it broaden the appreciation and the scoreboard watching. You've got three screens up, and it's teams all over the Western Conference because it directly impacts you. I think that's what the NFL should get back to. Rather than narrowing the scope of only caring about your own division, re-implement the structure that made every team in the conference important. That if you were a, a Carolina Hurricanes fan, well, right now you don't really have all that much reason to to follow the Florida Panthers, except for well, am I going to get home ice advantage if we bump into them in the conference final? You should care. You should want to see the entire conference and what everyone's doing. I think that's. Uh, right now, that's what's making this, to whatever degree it can be, because for Golden Knights fans, I know right now it's not, it's not fun, per se. It's intriguing, but it may not be fun. But that's what makes it intriguing and interesting, is the fact that you right now are following the entire Western Conference playoff picture uh, to see if, if there's a, a way for the VGK to get in. That's something that the NHL 
I think, should aspire to. Well, for the Silver Knights, uh, again, their playoff map right now is not as complicated. We're going to talk about this at length uh, in our third segment. Right now there's three different teams that the Silver Knights could potentially see in the first round, that best of three series. It could be uh, Colorado. It could be Abbotsford, who, after their win last night, they moved into that three spot. So if it ended today, it would be Abbotsford uh, for the Silver Knights. Bakersfield also in the mix as well. But the Silver Knights are playing some of their best hockey, 5-0-1 in their last six, and they got a big win in a shootout Tuesday against the San Diego Gulls, a team that they had, had struggled with all season long after the game uh, Jermaine Lowen and Daniil Miramanov both sat down to talk a little bit about not just the performance, but also exercising some of the demons against the Gulls. Here's what they had to say. Oh, looks like we might not have that clip. Sorry, folks. We're, uh, we're going to have it queued up in just a second. Pardon me, folks. Sometimes a computer doesn't keep up with uh, how fast I talk. That's a problem. But here we go. We've got uh, Jermaine Lone and Daniil Miramanov. Oh, it's massive. Um, you you want to have everything clicking um, going into playoffs, and that that's a uh, that's really important in hockey to have uh, the continuity as a team. And um, obviously, there's some areas in our game that we want to get better at, but I feel like we're we're trending in the right direction and. Uh, you know, last weekend, you know, we we beat a solid team in Stockton, and then um, today we we beat the goals, which obviously said giving us a hard time. So it's uh, been huge for us to to get this momentum and and to feel that energy when we go into the next game. It, it's contagious. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. Uh, you want to get that uh, momentum. You want to get that confidence. And when you win uh, games before the playoffs, you definitely feel that you can beat anybody, and uh, it's uh, of course really important. And that was, again, that was first Jermaine Lowen and then Daniil Miramanov. And there are a lot of factors that, that work into this Silver Knights trend. And we're going to talk with Jamie Heward in our next segment. He can hopefully add a little context to it. But this is, without question, a Silver Knights team that is playing faster with more swagger. I feel like I've seen more odd man rushes in the last four games combined than I did in the prior month. Uh, and that's uh, multiple factors of that. Pavel Dor Dorofiev is, is thriving right now. Brendan Brisson's addition, he has six points in four games since he joined the team. Um, and for the Silver Knights, playing against a, a, a San Diego team that was struggling. They came in losers of five in a row, uh, and then they lost Tuesday in the shootout. They also lost in overtime last night to Abbotsford. So they're now 5-0-2 in their last seven, still playoff bound as they've clinched that last spot. Uh, but they are going to be uh, – they're, they're scuffling a little bit to the finish line. But nonetheless, still a team that had beaten the Silver Knights in six of seven games uh, and now all said and done. They at least earned one point in all eight games against the Silver Knights this season. Sometimes a team just has your number. And Silver Knights fans, I think, can recognize that in the Stockton Heat and how they've been dominant against the entire Western Conference this year, but they have not been able to figure out uh, the Silver Knights barely at all this year. Even when they've won, it's been tight – you know, by the skinnier teeth results for Stockton and for the Silver Knights, they have to feel so good about the fact that they maintained the dominance that they did against Stockton, if not uh, furthered it with with the convincing nature of their victories in playoff style games this past week at the DLC. But on top of that, a San Diego team that has just had their number and again played them tough. That was a game on Tuesday that by the end of it, you, the game was going overtime. You're like, I don't know how we're going there. Because San Diego felt like they barely had the puck all game. They were 
uh, scuffling. They, they were not generating scoring opportunities, but they were timely and they were efficient and they got to overtime. Hat tip to San Diego. But for the Silver Knights, it took six rounds of the shootout to do it. Important for them to validate, okay, we beat Stockton, that's great, that's impressive, but we've been doing that all year. We need to beat someone that has given us trouble, and even in Tuesday night's game was finding a way to find a way. Uh, and the Silver Knights in the, over, in the overtime and the shootout got the extra point because of the overtime uh, or the shootout winner by Paul Cotter. Just dug in and found a way. And that's the difference in playoff periods. That's the difference April rolling into May. In December, you can lose a game by doing all the right things and you know, winning the, the scoring chance battle and just, ah, a puck went off a shin guard, they found a way to score the extra goal. That's acceptable in December. In April and May, you got to find ways to win those games. Uh, and I think Tuesday was another example of the Silver Knights proving to themselves that they have learned how to finish off games of that nature. We're going to hop out when we come back. We'll be joined by Silver Knights assistant coach Jamie Heward as he talks about the uh, this unique April homestand that the Silver Knights have had, and of course, the path ahead to the postseason. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game. This is the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on HSK Today on a Thursday afternoon, Brian McCormick here with you as we get set for two games this weekend for the Silver Knights against the San Jose Barracuda. And to help us do that, we have in studio and on location, and to say that is in the back room at Lifeguard Arena, uh, we have assistant coach Jamie Heward. Uh, Jamie, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. No problem. This has been a, a very good stretch for your team over the last two weeks, uh, picking up five of a possible six points against Stockton. You followed up with a win over a San Diego team that uh, had your number this year up until that point. How, how would you characterize the last couple of weeks where your team has really found its footing again after what was a challenging March? Well, yeah, I mean, challenging was, uh, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, it's just been a it's just been a merry-go-round of uh, ups and downs and and call-ups and injuries and that kind of thing. So, for both teams, I mean, VGK and and us, um, you know, kind of gone through the same thing. So, uh, you know, what it was nice to kind of get back home, um, you know, into the new arena and kind of give us a little bit of life. And you know, it, we we started out and played Bakersfield and and didn't go our way the the first game, but you know, we were starting to get guys back off injury and we knew we were going to be home for a while. So there was a little bit more excitement, a little more energy. Um, we could, we could rest guys without traveling. There was, you know, there was a lot of things that went into how we're playing now, you know, that led up, you know, two to three weeks before, um, you know, this situation and, uh, you know, played very well at home against Rockford. Um, and, you know, then again, got some guys back, uh, from injury and then, you know, you make a road trip into San Jose, uh, which really kind of jump-started where we could get some guys, you know, fitting in and, and playing together. Um, and then we came home and had a very successful weekend against Stockton, and it's just continued. So I, I think the biggest thing is uh, we've had the ability to get certain lines to be able to play together uh, for more than, you know, one game. 
And, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, 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 I mean, that sounds weird, but it, it really does make a difference when you can get guys practicing together and playing together, sitting on the bench together, you know, just kind of talking amongst themselves, not having to relearn what another player does in the offensive zone or what he's doing through the neutral zone and that kind of thing. So um, those things have really kind of helped us gel into, into what we're doing right now. You mentioned the San Diego weekend. Uh, you guys got 13 goals in two games. Now, San Jose is having a, a rough season there at the bottom. No disrespect. Somebody's got to be at the bottom. That's where they are right now. But I think there were a lot of fans who probably said, okay, well, they scored 13 against San Jose. But that's San Jose. But I think we've seen now in the games since, you can have a good offensive weekend like that for what it's worth, and the lessons you learn or the things you figure out can carry over against other opponents and the last six games i think you guys are averaging four and a half goals a game it it has carried over yeah you know what i mean uh it's one of those situations where you you go into san jose and you played well um on the offensive side but we you know as a coaching staff and as a team we were still not disappointed but we were still worried about some of the turnovers and some of the things that we were doing um you know on the defensive side of the puck and you know this league and and you know at the NHL level, it, it's no matter who you're playing, it's hard to win every night. I mean, uh, these are prof, you know professional athletes that are getting paid, and and uh, you are going to work hard every night to to try and win. And um, again, some nights it goes great for you, and some nights it doesn't. I mean, that's just the reality of sport. But you know, for us, it's just learning from what we did well. If you're scoring goals a certain way. You know, can we keep doing that? If you're not scoring goals, why are we not scoring goals? Maybe we're getting chances, but we're not scoring. So then you aren't too concerned about it because you still are doing the right thing. So there, there's a lot of reads and uh, a lot of discussion that goes into it. And, um, you know, there's been nights where we've had 35 or 37 shots and scoring one goal and, and scored one goal. And, you know, then there's nights where you get uh, 12 score five. You know what I mean? So um, we're, we're just kind of trying to – make sure that uh, the guys understand by playing the right way, you're going to get opportunities, and then it's up to them to, to capitalize on those opportunities. We're with assistant coach Jamie Heward. Speaking of, again, the, the opportunities you guys have generated, maybe it's confidence, maybe that's that's all it takes, but it feels like things have opened up dramatically for you guys on the attack over the course of this, this six-game stretch. I think there were more odd man rushes against Stockton than I saw in the prior month combined. Is there a reason, is there something you guys are doing differently or what is that you guys seem to be generating so much off the rush? Uh, you know, it's, again, it's guys playing together, um, f- you know, for more than one game. So, I mean, you know, realizing and able to talk to each other about where you're going to be and what you want to try to accomplish, you know, moving through the neutral zone. And um, I think the guys are taking a little more awareness uh, with them into the neutral zone where if we're not, I mean, it's, it still does happen. We still do turn pucks over, but we're, we're learning to to accept the fact that, um, you know, not everything's going to be perfect, and sometimes you do have to just, you know, throw it down behind their defense and put a little grind time in and, and go get it back. It can't always be fancy and, and work perfect. So, I mean, that's that. I mean, that's been a coach's dilemma for, you know, the last 40 years, um, trying to get, you know, players to do – you know, the right thing at the right time. And, and it's just a learning process for some young guys and even some of the veteran guys knowing where the young guys are going. And so it's a little bit of a dance uh, when you're coming through the neutral zone. And um, But for the most part, our, our mentality has been very good at trying to get pucks 
you know, going towards, you know, their net, whether that means uh, by the way of a shot or that means by the way of getting it below the goal line and trying to go get pucks back. So, um, and, and you know what, we, we've kind of come to an identity uh, with our team and our guys have understood that, um, you know, the run and gun at times doesn't work for us. It's got to be, it's got to be hard work. And, and that was very evident against uh, Stockton, who's a big, heavy, um, you know, well-coached um, veteran team. And I think our guys responded by knowing that, hey, if we're going to open things up against these guys, we could be in trouble. And so we just tried to match, um, you know, their effort and tried to get inside as much as we could. And, and I mean, guys had success so that, I mean, success breeds success, and you just kind of keep rolling with it. And the odd man rushes against Stockton came on their turnovers when you forced them into a situation right. where they had to press. Right. Where with Jamie Heward, a lot this year we've talked about from a VGK perspective how they've benefited from the call-ups, decisions, and Rombiergs and Cutters. Oh, my. Uh, from a very similar, <laughs> uh, similar trajectory, I guess you could say, though, how much have you guys benefited from the, the shot of youthful exuberance over the last couple of weeks? Brendan Brisson's uh, numbers have been very well touted, but Isaiah Seville has also been phenomenal since he was brought in. You guys have drawn from the college ranks and taken rookies and dropped them into challenging situations in the middle of a playoff run, and they've thrived with it. Yeah, and you know what? That, that kind of happened a little bit last year, too, where... Towards the end of the year, we had guys, you know, we had guys come in. We had Miramanov come in. We had Dilibatori come in. We had Ahak come in. Korzak kind of bounced in, uh, you know, back and forth between Junior and us and then back. And so, you know, getting those guys the experience this year always helps for next year. So, you know, they don't come into training camp going, oh, my God, what am I, what am I doing? Or they're, you know, they're not comfortable with their surroundings. And I think that's a big that's a big part of the organization, uh, you know, motto is to make sure that these guys come in, um, get to understand what it's like to be uh, in Vegas. Because, I mean, it can be overwhelming. Um, you know, you're coming from a junior hockey team or a college team to uh, to the big city, and it, it, it can be overwhelming for a young guy. And, and just to get them comfortable makes a big difference. Moving into the next year, they know the coaches. They know what the expectations are. They have an opportunity to learn the system. They know – uh, what Pete and his staff want up top, um, which filters down to us, and then we can relay that to those guys. And so that really, the comfort level, I think, is what led to, you know, Jake and Ronnie and Cotter and, and Miro and those guys getting called up is that they were comfortable with their surroundings and they went up and, you know, whether they were there um, for a short time or, you know, Jake being there for a long time, they're they're having a, a little more success fitting in because they have uh, the opportunity to be here a little bit longer uh, previous to that, those call-ups. You mentioned earlier in a new concept we've talked about a lot this year, how you guys have been rolling with the punches, injuries, call-ups, what have you, and just throwing together combinations of what you have and see what works. I, I wonder, and I thought this past week against uh, Stockton and San Diego, you had the line of Jermaine Lowen, Alan Quine, and Ben Jones – Ben Jones has your, your net front presence, finishing quality. Jermaine Lowen with his size, he's learning even more still day by day how to use it to bully his way to where he wants to be. Alan Quine is your playmaker in space. Those, those are my uh, attributes attached to it. But the point being is that line worked really well. With all the throw them in a blender and see what you come up with mentality you've had this year, have there been any combinations you've found where you're like, huh, 
that actually kind of works. We did it because we had to, but it, we might we might stick with that for a bit. Yeah, I mean uh, that. Yeah, that line is uh, again playing together for a little bit of time. Um, really has has helped them gel, and and you're starting to see a lot of stuff from them in practice, and and uh, the communication level has has been very good. And um, but I you know I I think it kind of all started where we we thought about you know where Jermaine would fit in. Uh, moving forward and uh, Colt Conrad coming in really helped uh, Jermaine before he hurt his hand and then you know kind of after he hurt his hand um, to feel you know that he had someone to play with that could really help him out and and you know be be good in his ear on the bench and kind of talk him through situations and um, so when those two guys started to play together we realized that you know if you can get Jermaine and you can get guys together with a you know a centerman or somebody that's going to be able to help them out and whatever capacity that is then you can run with it and stick with it and and you know putting putting JLo up uh on that line and and putting Quiner on uh on his off wing um has worked and you know I mean there's there's a million different scenarios that don't work um this one has has turned out and uh you know I mean they're having success which is great for us because you know, um, we feel with with two, you know, veteran guys and and JLo, um, you know, obviously only in the second year, but uh, we can put those out those guys out against other teams' lines and not feel that they're overmatched. I mean, there are some nights where a top line, um, you know, they're top line for a reason, but we're comfortable with those guys going out and and getting the job done in certain situations. We're at Jamie Heward. Uh, you guys have had. A lot of hockey of late. I want to say that the game on Tuesday was the 11th in 19 days. If I'm wrong, then I'm not far <laughs> off. Um, obviously, at this time of year, heading into the playoffs, you want to get your rest too. But I wonder, are there benefits for having this kind of a dense schedule at this time of year, especially the fact that you guys have, have handled it well? Yeah, I mean, we had a really we had a really tough stretch um, where we played, you know, San Diego four times in a row. We were we were there home there bakersfield home you know i mean we 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 really had a tough schedule we we had a lot of hockey and a lot of nights and um kind of after the you know the rockford when they were coming into town we we knew we had the stockton coming up but we we did get a little bit of a break and and in this time of year you don't do a lot of practice time anyway um just because you want to try and get guys rest so we weren't really doing you know, as much practicing as uh, we were just kind of going out for light skates and just getting guys used to, you know, power play and that kind of situation. But, yeah, it's been nice to, to get a little bit of relaxation. And, you know, that's when that homestand really has come into play. We we knew where we were going to be for the last three weeks of the year, three and a half weeks, is that we weren't going to be on the road so guys could get comfortable. We could, you know, come up with a schedule that was going to benefit the guys with sleep. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they – They've thrived a little bit on uh, on being able to sleep in and uh, and not have to worry about you know game after game after game. It's it's been a it's been a grind. Does it potentially become a, not a point of concern, but something to talk about that it's been so much home hockey in April and there's still another week and a half to go. That first round series, best of three. There's going to be road hockey, perhaps all of it on the road. We don't know just yet, but. Does that something that the guys have to reacclimate themselves? Like, all right, what was our road routine again? Yeah, yeah, it certainly will. Um, and because it's a, you know, it'll be a best of three. It's going to be 
you know, it's going to be quick. So, yeah, I mean, we uh, there's really no way to simulate it. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like we can just, you know, just uh, make a trip across town and pretend it's a road trip. So <laughs> we're all sleeping so, at the rink. Tonight, yeah, right? we're all we're all just going to a hotel just because randomly going. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that's too much of a concern. It's uh, you know, the biggest thing is is obviously it's playoff hockey. So you've got to you've got to ramp up your intensity and you've got to make sure uh, your preparation almost starts you know, after this weekend um, with San Jose, we need to get our rest leading up to, you know, to that game, that first game. So um, the preparation is actually going to start, has already started. I mean, we're, you know, we're potentially starting to watch video on, on a couple teams that we might be able to play. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the guys have to understand that it's not just what you do the night before a game. It's what you do leading up, uh, you know, a couple of days prior or a week prior um, you know, to try and make sure we manage that right. So going on the road, uh, I mean, guys are used to it, obviously, but it's, yeah, it, when you're not on the road for a while, it, you know, it takes a little bit to get back into your routine for sure. Last one, we'll let you go, Jamie. It's it's a good time of year going into the playoffs as well. Uh, for the end of the regular season, it's good to be playing for something, whether it be a race to get in or you're battling for the top seed, what have you. Three games left, you guys are going to be the sixth seed no matter what you do. But having said that, the fact that you're playing your best hockey since you could argue the turn of the new year, I imagine this can't come at a better time, A, to be playing well going to the playoffs, but I would also figure the guys are probably having more fun the last couple of weeks than they did uh, coming into the month of April. Well, I mean, winning's fun. Uh, right. you, tell, you tell them that all the time. So and, I hear, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that obviously adds up to it. But, you know, I, I mean, Again, you have to kind of look at uh, what was what was happening to us as far as injuries and call-ups and, you know, all the things that were were kind of against us um, really stacked up to the point where it was just – it was a really big uphill battle to, to fight. And, you know, there were certain – you know, there were things that we took away from from that, you know, losing streak and, and not having success. We, we were able to make sure – um, that we picked little things that we could learn from, and the guys did very well. But um, it's, yes, I mean, playing well at this time of year um, is important. And, and, you know, we never, like I said, I mean, we kind of knew, well, there was a time when we didn't, you know, we were uh, close to not, you know, if we would have lost a couple more games or we would have had a few guys more guys out with injury. I mean, there was we would have really we would have really been in a dogfight. And so that I mean that was in the back of our mind. We had to make sure that um, you know, we we dug in and at least gave ourselves a chance to have something to play for in the last couple of weeks. And our guys did a really good job. They played really well coming down the stretch. Even though we weren't winning games, they were they were putting the effort in to not just kind of go, Oh well. I mean, and we we, we learned from it. And then we got guys back and got some healthy bodies and, and you know, um, got Yuri back and we got Savvy coming out of college. And we got some, you know, got our goaltenders back. Um, it made a big difference. And so now when the guys are playing well, they're they're comfortable with each other and, and now it's just got to find a way to keep it going. Harold, the town crier, has been putting up good numbers in the breakaway competition between <laughs> periods against Lucky. Uh, no need for him in the later rounds of the shootout? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Hopefully we don't reach that. No, point. hopefully yeah. we don't get to that point. <laughs> I think I think you and I will be going first. <laughs> I, I always knew you had confidence in me. Yeah. <laughs> Assistant Coach Jamie Heward, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to two this weekend against San Jose. All right, thanks, man. That's Assistant Coach Jamie Heward. We'll step out when we come back, wrapping things up with the final segment on this Thursday afternoon, HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is HSK Today. Prasad takes it away and sends the other direction. Here comes Quinny. Into the offensive zone, right wing. Quinny drops it back for Korzak, a shot, save, rebound, score! It's Brendan Brisson again! Three games, three goals, the Silver Knights have a 4-1 lead! And that was Brendan Brisson on Saturday against the Stockton Heat. Didn't have any points on Tuesday against San Diego, but nonetheless, Brendan Brisson, six points, three goals in four games, two multi-point performances, and... Uh, as we just heard from Jamie Heward, one of several young new additions for the Silver Knights uh, that has made a real impact over the month of April and uh, has them trending in the right direction. Silver Knights 5-0-1 in their last six, getting ready for two games against last place San Jose uh, before they have the final game of the regular season on the 30th against the Ontario Reign. And then on to the playoffs. Uh, before we get to that, uh, this will be the, the most uh, brief of mentions, but just a fun discussion topic for all of you in the week ahead. We've mentioned it on this show, I'm pretty sure. I know that we've uh, that we've tweeted about it, but um, seeing some conversation over the last 48 hours from uh, Greg Wyshynski over at ESPN. I think they're talking about it on the NHL Network today as well. We, we talked about how scoring is up. Uh, in the NHL this season and and really up like it's as high as it's been since I want to say it was uh, 96 I think is the last time that the average goals per game were in the neighborhood of of where they are now Uh, and uh, Greg Wyshynski had a piece on it that uh, it might be on the uh, the subscription portion of the ESPN website but uh, just talking about some of the theories of his and also people around the league discussing why scoring is up uh Fun discussion topic, fun thing to explore. And again, I've I've been uh, tooting this horn for a few weeks now of the fact that you know scoring is dramatically up uh, to a point that we haven't seen in 25 years. It feels like nobody's talking about it, uh, and it felt like nobody was really talking about it until this week. But uh, when you look at the number of 50 goal scorers now, we've got three uh, U.S. born players uh, over, or I'm sorry, two over 100 points right now with uh, Austin Matthews and uh, Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, when you look at the, the young star power the league has right now with your Matthews and Eichels and Gaudreau's and, uh, of course, the McDavid's and Dreisaitl's and, and, and on and on, you know, scoring is up. But I also feel like scoring is up without uh, largely sacrificing goaltending. We still see uh, impressive numbers from Andre Vasilevsky, UC Saros, Igor Shosturkin, probably your leader in the clubhouse for the Vezina this year. So scoring is up, but we're not sacrificing good goaltending in the process uh, right right now, baseball has gotten underway. I've been watching baseball as much as any other baseball fan. I love it, but there's no doubt that the, the game is having some struggles right now with uh, the three true outcomes and, uh, you know, batting averages are down and 
uh, you know, right now baseball is working through some growing pains, I suppose. I say growing pains. It's over 100 years old. But, you know, it's a, uh, a transitional era just like the NHL went through when things locked down and clutch and grab and the dead puck era and everything else. Well, it's it's a pretty good time for hockey right now. Scoring is up. Goaltending is still strong. Star power is at an all-time high, and uh, we've got some fun playoff races. So good time to be an NHL fan. Why don't all of you ruminate on that, and maybe we'll discuss it in a bit more detail next week. For now, though, Silver Knights fans, certainly keeping an eye on the playoff races. The Silver Knights will not move from that sixth spot regardless of uh, what they do. That was confirmed after San Diego lost in overtime to the Abbotsford Canucks last night. But there's still plenty to be decided regarding who the Silver Knights will face in that three-game mini-series in the first round. Uh, that is, again, very likely to send the Silver Knights on the road for, for all three Right now, after last night's results, the Abbotsford Canucks hopped up into third place. Silver Knights look like uh, that is who they would be facing. Uh, that, that's who they would be facing if, if the season ended today, would be the Abbotsford Canucks, who, just for some context, if you're trying to remember, when's the last time we saw the Abbotsford Canucks? Well, the last time the Silver Knights played the Canucks, that was back in... December, back in December, the 18th and 19th uh, at the Orleans Arena. And then the Silver Knights, prior to that, their only trip to Abbotsford this year was back in October. It was their first road trip of the season, October 22nd and 24th, when the Silver Knights opened up Abbotsford Center for AHL hockey, uh, or I should say reopened, of course, the uh, Abbotsford Heat were were at one time uh, in the American Hockey League. But... Uh, that, that certainly is an interesting wrinkle for the Silver Knights. It's one of the teams that they know uh, or would be the least familiar with at this point. Uh, they've gone to overtime twice with Abbotsford this season, but again, they haven't seen them since uh, mid-December. Silver Knights were 1-1-2 uh, against the Canucks this season. But it's an Abbotsford team that uh, is rolling now. As they, we talked about how good the Silver Knights have been of late, the Canucks are 7-0-1 in their last eight. Uh, and they boast a, a veteran uh, AHL roster, especially when they have all their pieces like Sheldon Dries and Sheldon Rempel. Sheldon Dries has been one of the best AHL goal scorers this year. Right now, uh, the Vancouver Canucks behind the VGK. Uh, Abbotsford is a team that could get a lot of weapons back when the playoffs come around. A quick look at what the playoff structure looks like, uh, and there is no uh, there are no AHL games on the schedule for tonight, so this this won't change overnight right now the Ontario Reign are three points back of the Stockton Heat with one game in hand Stockton does have a chance to uh, clinch the division's top spot tomorrow uh, but Ontario is still trying to to track them down for that number one spot whoever finishes first will get a bye in the Pacific for that three game mini series round right now the Silver Knights would play Abbotsford in third but The Abbotsford Canucks, uh, they're ahead of the Eagles in terms of points percentage. When all is said and done, all these teams will have played the same number of games, so we can go based on points. Abbotsford has two games in hand on Colorado. The Colorado Eagles have a one-point advantage on Abbotsford. So Abbotsford's in the driver's seat in terms of uh, chasing down the Eagles for good. Bakersfield right now is in fifth. They have two games in hand on Colorado as well. They've played an even number of games with the Abbotsford Canucks, the Canucks have a two-point lead on Bakersfield. So the Condors would probably, uh, probably, probably have to run the table. 
to to take that th- uh, three spot. But right now, it's it's a very realistic possibility that the Silver Knights could see Abbotsford or Colorado or Bakersfield in that first round. Uh, of course, the Silver Knights had their playoff series with Bakersfield last year. Those two teams have played each other pretty evenly this year. Silver Knights 4-4-0 against the Condors. Uh, the Colorado Eagles, the Silver Knights are 5-3-0 against Colorado this season. That's another team that would probably uh, get some weapons back, uh, although not everyone, as the Avalanche are certainly going to have a playoff push of their own. Uh, and then you have the Canucks, who uh, the Silver Knights have the least amount of familiarity with, you could argue, going into uh, the Calder Cup playoffs. So without question, Silver Knights will have an eye on those teams uh, for the week ahead. Uh, Teams that also have a little bit of crossover against one another. The Abbotsford Canucks final four games of the season. They'll play Stockton, Bakersfield, and two in Winnipeg. For the Bakersfield Condors, their final games of the season will be against uh, Tucson, two against Stockton, one against Abbotsford. So they probably have a bit of a harder path. And then just to round it out, the Colorado Eagles have two games left on their schedule. They'll both be against the Ontario Reign. They probably have the toughest road to hoe. So lots of scoreboard watching. But in the meantime, the Silver Knights will try to finish in style. They have two games against the San Jose Barracuda this weekend, both on 1230 of the game. Saturday's game will be televised on the CW Las Vegas. Darren Elliott will hop in the booth for that one. Special thanks to Jamie Heward for hopping on the program this afternoon. We will call today. Brian McCormick with you. This has been HSK Today. We'll see you for Silver Knights Hockey this weekend on 1230 of the game.